Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. The U.S. is increasing strikes against Yemen-based Houthi rebels. Ed Maxter has that story and more from San Francisco. Ed, welcome back. Hey, thank you so much, Brian. It's good to be back. Uh, more attacks today hitting ship missile facilities in the third assault on Iranian proxy strongholds in recent days. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan at Davos has heard on Bloomberg. says, well, a coalition effort. We mobilized a coalition of countries to take strikes to degrade the Houthis' capabilities so their ability to mount uh, sustained and complex attacks uh, becomes more difficult over time. And says attacks will continue as needed. Now, this comes as Houthis claim responsibility for a missile attack against a Malta flag bulk carrier in the Red Sea. The White House is confirming National Security Advisor John Kirby. There was a hit today, uh, but no injuries caused, no real significant damage to the ship, uh, by the way. Uh, most of the attacks are, are knocked out of the sky before they can get to, uh, to the target. And Iran attacked what it says was an Israeli spy base in Iraq. This, the first time Tehran has publicly said it's attacked an Israeli target since the beginning of the Israel-Hamas war. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky condemning Vladimir Putin as a predator and told an audience at Davos that any pullback support for Ukraine strengthens Putin. Because every reduction in pressure on the aggressor as years adds years to the war, but every investment in the confidence of the defender shortens the war. Uh, Zelensky says if Ukraine's economy is stronger, the world's security will be stronger as well. President Joe Biden inviting House Speaker Mike Johnson, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, and other congressional leaders to a meeting tomorrow to talk Ukraine aid. Bloomberg's Zach Cohen says it begins with border talk. It's obviously uh, the larger issue of coming up with some sort of border agreement that would unlock aid for Ukraine and Israel as they are, are both engaged in war in Europe and the Middle East. Yeah, and there are hundreds of millions of dollars stalled in Congress waiting for action. With Donald Trump solidifying his position as the overwhelming frontrunner in the GOP presidential race. What are the next steps? Well, Nikki Haley says New Hampshire will correct the Iowa result and is back on the trail. Our campaign is the last best hope of stopping the Trump-Biden nightmare. And says she will not participate in any further debates unless Donald Trump or Joe Biden do. Ron DeSantis, who finished above her in Iowa, says a mistake. You owe the people of New Hampshire a debate. Uh, this is a this is a time honored tradition that you debate in New Hampshire uh, the week before the New Hampshire primaries. But now this is just breaking in the last hour. ABC's canceled Thursday's debate and Trump. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a good a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. Now, Trump carried 51% of the Iowa caucus votes with DeSantis at 21, Haley not far behind at 19. Haley expects to do much better in New Hampshire. And the latest polling out of New Hampshire from the American Research Group has Haley and Trump tied at 40%, DeSantis at 
4%. Global News, 24 hours a day and whenever you want it with Bloomberg News Now in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter. This is Bloomberg. All right, Brian. Ed, thanks very much. Now we take a look at some of the top business stories of the hour. Well, let's take a closer look here at this JetBlue decision. A federal judge blocked JetBlue's $3.8 billion acquisition of Spirit Airlines. U.S. District Judge William Young sided with the federal government. The Justice Department had challenged the deal, arguing it would stifle competition and would drive up airfares. After the decision, shares of Spirit plunged. We get reaction from Bloomberg's George Ferguson. I think it, uh, you know, near the end of the trial, it seemed like it was really close to 50-50 whether or not the judge was going to deny this uh, this purchase or not. So I don't know that it's super surprising, but Spirit, obviously, if you were invested in Spirit shares, uh, I think you were really hanging on, uh, you know, the acquisition by JetBlue. So uh, I think what you see is a lot of people exiting based on that. Bloomberg's George Ferguson. JetBlue and Spirit argued that consolidation is the only way that smaller airlines can effectively compete with the dominant carriers. So we mentioned that Spirit shares plunged. It was a record 47% in New York. Meantime, JetBlue, those shares were up nearly 5%. Doug? Well, the U.S. Supreme Court has refused to consider an appeal from Apple in an antitrust lawsuit challenging the company's lucrative app store. Here's Bloomberg's Karen Moscow. Both Apple and Fortnite maker Epic Games had asked the court to hear an appeal related to the case. The justices turned down both requests without explanation. The high court's decision will allow an appeals court ruling to go into effect, letting developers direct iPhone users to cheaper purchasing options outside of Apple's system. The company charges developers a commission of as much as 30 percent for digital goods and services sold through its app store. The decision will likely affect billions of dollars in revenue for the iPhone maker. Karen Bloomberg Radio. Well, today, Fed Governor Chris Waller showed an openness to cutting interest rates, but he also appeared to push back to a degree against market expectations for as many as six rate cuts this year. When the time is right to begin lowering rates, I believe it can and should be lowered methodically and carefully. In many previous cycles, the FOMC cut rates reactively and did so quickly and often by large amounts. This cycle, however, with economic activity and labor markets in good shape and inflation coming down gradually to 2%, I see no reason to move as quickly or cut as rapidly as in the past. That's Fed Governor Chris Waller. U.S. equities slid and Treasury yields jumped following Waller's comments. Well, executives at the big U.S. banks are now expecting a pickup in investment banking in the coming months. Their hopes are really tied to the Fed's apparent pivot away from those aggressive rate hikes that we have seen over the last two years. Today, some of Wall Street's top brass outlined expectations for a turnaround. Here's Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon. I'm encouraged by capital markets activity. I'm not going to say it's running back to, you know, 10-year averages right away, but it has materially improved. I do think you're going to see some more meaningful IPOs in 2024. David Solomon, they're the CEO of Goldman Sachs. Separately, both Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley wrapped up fourth quarter earnings among the big banks today. Goldman topping estimates as the firm's equity trading unit posted a jump in revenue, triple what analysts had expected. Meantime, over at Morgan Stanley, the firm's equity trading revenue fell short of forecast. Morgan Stanley executives said lower wealth management margins 
may stick around. Brian? Well, Chinese Premier Li Qiang said that China's economy grew around 5.2% in 2023. He spoke earlier at the World Economic Forum in Davos. He emphasized the efforts that China has taken to inspire confidence in its economy and government. In promoting economic development, we did not resort to massive stimulus. We did not seek short-term growth while accumulating long-term risks. That's Chinese Premier Li Qiang. The Premier's remarks confirmed economists' expectations that China would surpass the official growth target of 5% for the year. The focus now is for Beijing on how it will keep the momentum going this year as it grapples with what is an erosion of confidence. Official data showed foreign investment in the third quarter of last year turned negative for the first time since 1998. And interestingly, China is considering more stimulus via some special bonds worth $139 billion. That story from Bloomberg's Yvonne Men in Hong Kong. The new debt issuance would be under a so-called special sovereign bond plan. We hear the plan would involve the sale of ultra-long sovereign bonds. The funds would be for projects related to food, energy, supply chains, and urbanization. This would only be the fourth such sale in the past 26 years. It highlights China's efforts to shift spending responsibility from debt-laden local officials to central authorities. The plan is another move to stimulate an economy that is struggling to get momentum. Sources say the discussions are ongoing and the plan could be changed. In Hong Kong, I'm Yvonne Mann, Bloomberg Radio. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong, along with Vonnie Quinn in New York. And our guest is Jennifer Ree, at Bloomberg Intelligence Senior Litigation Analyst for Antitrust. Oh, we wanted to take a closer look at this second win, Jennifer, for the Justice Department in the airline industry. If we include the court blocking the alliance of JetBlue and American, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it appears the Biden administration is simply not going to allow airline mergers. And the courts are backing them. So does it make it less likely that we'll see an appeal? Do you think we will see an appeal? You know, in this case, I'd be surprised if there's an appeal. Um, I think that the opinion is very careful and thorough and really based on an assessment of the evidence that was presented. And in that kind of a decision, um, it's a really high standard to get it reversed on appeal because the appellate panel has to give deference to that decision and the way the lower court judge interpreted the witness's evidence and the documents. And so I think it's a really tough thing to do, and it's going to push them very close to their deal end date because it could really take another six months. 
What does it mean for the individual airlines now? Spirit's share price dropped by almost half. Yeah, you know, which is something I think the judge was worried about. You know, this was a really close case. Uh, throughout trial, I thought it was a close call. And reading the decision, it was a close call. Because the airlines did make an argument that Spirit was what's called a flailing firm. In other words, it might be better for JetBlue to buy the Spirit and maybe cause some harm to markets than Spirit being weakened if it's left on its own, which looks basically today like what's happening. And the judge simply said, you know, they didn't make that defense. They didn't establish the elements they needed to actually make that defense, to justify an otherwise anti-competitive deal. But one of the things he did that was very interesting is that he limited the injunction to just this deal signed in July of 2022. So if market dynamics change, maybe it could come back. And it also does raise question about Alaska Air's um, yes. uh, acquisition of Hawaiian Holdings, right? Um, what happens next there, do you think? So it does. And I do think this DOJ is dug in in terms of trying to prevent airline consolidation. But what I'll say about that deal is I think it's easier to fix than this deal was. Um, because this judge did say that the market is these origin and destination pairs. And to the extent that you can divest those pairs where you overlap, you fix that problem. Here they couldn't do that because they also had a problem in the routes that Spirit flow, flew and JetBlue didn't where the prices would go up. So Alaska and Hawaiian have an ability to fix their deal in a way that a judge might accept if they get challenged. Well, the interesting thing here is that now Spirit is an awful lot cheaper. I mean, at least for a day or two, we'll see what happens. But I mean, could one of the other carriers come in and, you know, be accepted very differently than a JetBlue, which is a more direct competitor? So remember that Frontier wanted this acquisition prior to JetBlue, and JetBlue won out. So certainly there's a possibility here that Frontier could come back. Um, and as I said, because of the way the injunction was narrowly written, it leaves Spirit open to do another deal. Now, that's from the judge. It doesn't mean the DOJ won't do their thorough investigation, which takes a year, and then again try to sue the deal in court. But at that point, maybe a judge would be more open to allowing the deal go, to go through with the appropriate remedy. What were some of the other uh, promises that JetBlue made to try to make this deal work? You know, the interesting thing is that what JetBlue argued was essentially accepted by the judge. That's why this was such a difficult prediction to make. They said, look, coming together will make us will exert a bigger competitive influence on the legacy carriers that have 80% of the market, you know, the Deltas and the Americans, United, Southwest. We can compete against them better if we're combined with Spirit. And that puts pressure on their pricing. And the judge agreed. The judge said, yes, that's true. And that is a pro-competitive aspect of this deal. Uh, But it's not enough to fix the harm that will be caused by removing Spirit as an option for certain consumers that fly certain routes. Is it the case now that the FTC has a win for consumers, do you think, Jen? I mean, can we definitively say the FTC did the right thing here? Well, this one's the DOJ, and I know it gets confusing because they're both so aggressive, and they're both in court challenging mergers right now. Um, But this one is DOJ, and I think it's debatable. I think there are people out there that would have preferred as a consumer that this deal, that the airlines are combined. On the other hand, I think it's absolutely true that for some routes, there are probably consumers that depended on that very low unbundled fare that Spirit offered to go home to see mom or or to take a vacation and would lose that option if those planes were retrofitted to become JetBlue planes and the fares went up. So it does help some people. 
I think the thrust of Vani's question probably was, does this sort of put the wind in the sails uh, behind the Justice Department now, perhaps in some other areas? You know, I think the DOJ has had the the wind behind their sails for a while now, because as you mentioned right at the beginning, they did win in challenging the Northeast Alliance, right, between American and JetBlue. And they also won before that when they challenged the Penguin Random House Simon & Schuster deal. So they've but actually been, been doing pretty well. it hasn't been the Federal Trade Commission, has no. it? Uh, no, it they have not done as well. They're still fighting Microsoft Activision, though. They're still going to, uh, to appeal that one. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal wherever you get your podcast, And watch on Bloomberg Originals, Bloomberg Television, or BTV+.